0: Wait, they're America's team that's now ensuring the Cup is staying in America. They truly are America's team. That
1: is exactly, yes, yes, that's what they did. They were with America all along. Mike Smith, pretty American name, (laughs) knew what he was doing. Welcome back to Too Many Men. I am Sarah Sivian of The Athletic with my colleague, Shayna Goldman. Allison is out of town today doing painting the town red. I <laughs> Shana, how are you?
0: I'm good. Maybe she's painting the town red in her new Kraken-themed vans.
1: Painting the town teal. Oh, there <laughs> we go. Your hair color, so... <laughs> All right, I am doing good. I'm moving out of moving. I'm um, leaving Boston tomorrow to go back to my less noisy place. So thanks for bearing with us here, folks. Um, we got a bit of news. the The postseason has started with a bit. Ba- the off season, rather, started with a bang. Bruce Cassidy, Bruins coach of six seasons, was fired. Um, Don Sweeney, the GM, said he did not take it well. Apparently, this was a shock to him, and it is a very controversial fire. Shana, tell us why.
0: I guess the Bruins are not a bad team. And it, everyone thinks of Cassidy as a good coach. And, I mean, there's, there's so much we know from, what like, the outside. But, you know, in this league, you can be the right coach when you get hired. And you might not be when you get fired. And there's, you know, every coach has a shelf life. So I know it was cited things about young talent. You know, that's a concern for how many coaches, how they handle young talent. And there's an argument to be made that management hasn't given him the best talent. They've botched quite a few drafts, but, you know, maybe they just felt it was time for a change of pace. So if Cassidy can build on what he learned here, I think he'd be successful elsewhere. And it won't be like coaching Carousel when he gets rehired. What do you think?
1: Yeah, I completely agree. Um, Don Sweeney, the GM, said, after taking some time to fully digest everything, I felt that the direction of our team for both this season and beyond would benefit from a new voice. And I don't disagree that maybe that's the case, but at the same time, they were dealing with so many injuries. They were dealing with, okay, here's the deal. I like that Sweeney goes for it at the deadline. I know Sweeney's been very criticized for doing this and giving away first round draft picks for things that have not worked out at the deadline. Like I think about, um, sorry, she, Allison just texted us and I got distracted, <laughs> but okay. Ready? One, two, three. I think about the Rick Nash thing and he got a concussion and it's like, you can't really put that on Sweeney, but you can put some of the drafting mistakes like 2016, uh, on Sweeney. And that we always go back to that year where he took Saborl, uh, Zach Sunshine and, oh my, Zach Sunshine and Jake DeBrusque when he could have had Matt Barzell, Kyle Pott. There were so many great people he could have selected. So that is kind of, people rightfully hang their heads on that. And then you've got a lot of changes to the Bruins. And I, I, I don't know if Cassidy could have done much in this situation, but then you hear, I don't know, I think about Jake DeBrusque and how he... I think he could benefit from a new voice and how kind of he lost favor and Chris Wagner lost favor from Cassidy. And it felt like that was it. So I I'm interested to see who they, who's the next man up. I know that the P Bruins coach is in consideration and a few other people. I just think he wasn't the main problem, but he's, it's the easiest scapegoat, right?
0: Always, it's always like the coach is like the easiest scapegoat. It could be the players, it could be the coach, and obviously, it's management picking out the scapegoat. So, why would they pick themselves in some cases? <laughs> but, like, no, they're they have a new opportunity. It's gonna be really interesting to see what they do because ideally, they're going to want to extend their window, but you have the challenge of not having like a healthy boy to start, and then there's the questions about Bergeron, so like. It's going to be interesting. And if they go with a veteran like a Tortorella, you know they're going, we can still win now. If they go for someone new, maybe they're thinking we need to extend our window and emphasize the next wave of the core and things like that. So I don't know. We'll see how it goes. There's so many coaching vacancies. So we'll see if anybody looks outside the 32 coaches that were you know in jobs last year.
1: Yeah, my question is, to me, at least it feels like with the players, Cassidy and Tortorella have the same kind of style where maybe they're a little hard on guys and want them to play the X, Y, and Z correct way defensively. So I'm like, I get the Boston connections with Torts. And I mean, I kind of like to see it just, I think that'd be fun. I think maybe Torts for the Flyers. And I, I, I just wonder who else is out there that's better, but at the same time there's things that we might not know and Obviously, it's a lot of time management trying to save their own butts and then they're the next ones out. So if this is the only change the Bruins make, that's going to be a red flag to me. They no. also said they were considering trading David Pasternak for draft picks. Um, I think that just shows how they failed as a management team in some ways if they need to do that, right? Like he's still young at his in his prime and you'd want draft picks to come and reap the benefits of that, right?
0: Yeah, like your core right now, even if you put Bergeron aside, you have Marshan, who's one of the best two-way forwards in the league, Charlie McAvoy, elite defender. You just signed Hampus Lindholm for a bunch of years, and then you have Poshanak. Like, I, I would think if that's your core four, you're building off that no matter what. And obviously, like, you have to worry about the cap and do you have the future assets, but like, even if you depleted your assets or didn't make the most of them over the years, you have to figure out a way to be creative that you don't need them. Like Tampa Bay Lightning, here they are going, trying to go for three in a row. And it's not like they've had top picks every single year. They did at the beginning with the Stamkoses and Hedmans, but like Kucherov was a later pick. Braden Point was, you just have to be smart and find the undrafted talent like they had with Yanni Gord. Like you just have to be a little more innovative and creative. And they have people in their front office who are, are they listening? I have no idea. Like, you know, I, it, it's going to be so interesting to see what they do, because like you said, if the coach is the only change, then it's like, where, where do you really see yourself going?
1: Yeah, exactly. So we'll keep an eye on that. Um, In happier positive news, Marie-Philippe Poulin has been named player development consultant with the Montreal Canadiens. Um, Montreal Canadiens general manager Kent Hughes announced Tuesday, today, uh, the appointment of Marie-Philippe Poulin as player development consultant. And she's still going to be playing Unfortunately for United States, he's been making our lives hell forever. She's won 15 international medals and we've seen them all. We've Um, seen them. So among her responsibilities, Poulin will be called upon to join the players on the ice in video sessions to work on their individual and collective skills in collaboration with the director of player development, Rob Ramage, and the director of hockey development, Adam Nicholas. Uh, Thoughts on this?
0: I think it's so cool. I think she has such like a a fresh perspective, seeing as like she's not as embroiled in the NHL like every other person who gets rehired every five minutes. And, you know, she is one of the greatest hockey players ever. She has so much that I'm sure she can, you know, share with players. And I think we've seen with Team Canada, like they know how important her presence is, like even when she's hurt. There was a tournament she was hurt, couldn't even play, and yet she's still on the bench to like lead the way for her team. So, if anyone can sit there and help direct players on what they should do and help build skills, like she seems like a perfect fit. And the fact that it's flexible enough that she can keep playing, like that's so important. So, then when her playing career eventually ends, like there's a nice jumping off platform for her as well. So, hopefully, more teams start taking note of things like this. There's so many ways you can. Help your team so you don't never have to hear a problem like, oh, this player, you know, maybe needs to work on their shot or their face offs or their skating or needs to be a little more creative and how they make reads on plays like bringing in skilled players, especially when you can have literally one of the greatest has to be so good for that because you're learning from the best. You're not learning from anybody. You're learning from literally one of the best players who's in today's game and knows what it takes to win in today's game. And, you know, it's so much emphasis on puck possession, not how the game was played 30 years ago.
1: Yeah, exactly. And it's long overdue, but with what the Kraken's been doing with uh, Granado and with the Canucks, it's it's great to see, because this is the first step for women becoming these coaches and these GMs. It's They have to get their feet in the door so they can – even though we all know they have already earned our respect and we're watching them and seeing all the incredible things they've done it's a boys club still and we need feet in the door
0: yep absolutely
1: we have a new addition well an old friend on our shit list is back drake has posted a picture <laughs> of connor mctavid and the Oilers lost he did it during the game too it's like you couldn't have waited and been like good game Connor but I they were winning by two goals Drake posts that and you the rest is history
0: do we know that he bet on Connor or maybe he bet on Colorado could someone have pointed out to him like hey you're cursed so he was like I'm gonna post about McDavid and end his season right now like could could it be the reverse jinx or is he smart enough for that like who's to say not me
1: you know what it seems like this is the case but people are fighting in my mentions about everything especially i'm seeing spotify links about drake and it's like drake is the best rapper alive i'm like i gotta go outside i can't look at my twitter mentions today it's like canadians fighting for drake canadians mad about the oilers so let's talk about the oilers they lost yeah
0: let's talk about the oilers one last time your team what were your thoughts America's team.
1: I, I cannot believe you lose that for Drysidle.
0: Can't wait. They're America's team. That's now ensuring the cup is staying in America. They truly yes. are America's that team.
1: That is exactly. Yes, yes, that's what they did. They were with America all along. Mike Smith, pretty American name, <laughs> knew what he was doing. He okay. I okay. Where do we begin? Let's
0: talk. There about was that. a lot. There was a lot. So the game's relatively calm. Colorado opens the scoring. Edmonton pulls ahead through two periods. They're up three to one. Connor McDavid has a goal. We know Joyce Seidel's hurting. But at the end of the day, Edmonton's up while without Evander Keene, which is pretty important because focusing on the on ice stuff, obviously he's an asset in their lineup because he's a top six forward that they desperately needed. 3-1 game. Where do you want to unpack from there?
1: (laughs) let's start with the least okay I I know I tweeted maybe it was about the people Mike Smith blamed along the way but I don't actually I'm getting heat for that from Edmonton fans and I don't know if they understand the concept of a joke I'm just joking (laughs) I don't actually think he's the reason they lost I think he's the reason they lost maybe two of the games but I I I do think I'm being a little rude to him when he's a four-year-old man trying his best. And I want to be clear that this is Ken Holland's fault. But when I look back yes. on the series, what if they had a good goalie, right?
0: Yeah. Like in the other series, he was good. Minus like, like Calgary game one, he was not good at all. But he bounced back and he was much the much better goalie. All of his energy went over to Jacob Markstrom and he could just be good. Like, fine. This series... He got off on the bad foot and he never got back. And I think the most important thing was he got so frustrated last night. I think it was the Landis God goal that made it a one goal game. It was the 4-3 score. So Edmonton still up by one. Mike Smith played the puck. He got out of his net for no reason. Played the puck. And I, he had some time to reset and it like, there was like obviously some chaos and like the blue paint on that one, but he was so upset and it felt like he completely lost his composure. Like it had been a one goal game at that point already. It's not like they hadn't come back from a one goal game, but it just seemed like that he like pulled himself out of it fully. Like he so overreacted his fault or not. Like you have a games play, you you know, clock is ticking on your season. You can't melt down completely. And he did like, He threw the stick. I I respect that because I feel like if I was in this position, maybe I would do the same. But you have to be able to, like, get composed quick. And he couldn't.
1: No, exactly. That's when I'm like, Mike, you're scaring the hose. Like, let's (laughs) – you're you're, like – everybody's a little riled up after that. You need a calm and composed goalie in that moment. Or, I don't know, dare I say, a Peter Mrazik, who's going to be fired up in a good way. But when you're fired up in a bad way, it's kind of bad news bears. Um, Do we – think there's anything else Connor McDavid early and Dreisaitl could have done
0: no like Dreisaitl last night was hurting so much it was so obvious I know everyone's like what a warrior he is for playing and like I also look at him like how much damage was he doing like at the end of the second period they're up three to one I was even thinking I think I tweeted it to him like I would only play him on the power play if I could help it because he doesn't have to move much and he's still really good and it's not that he wasn't still generating offense at even strength he did but like it looks so painful and if you're trying to extend the series like you still need him to be able to move next game and obviously you have to get to that next game in the first place but what more did you want him to do like you needed other players to step up and I feel like if you can't skate you can't be that much of an asset defensively either like I feel like that's so risky against a team like Colorado like it's that how much does it help how much does it hurt and obviously he didn't do anything to hurt the team last night but That's what went through my head before the third period, before shit hit the fan. That's just what I was thinking.
1: (laughs) And when shit hit the fan, I think it was more, and this is why I feel bad for being so mean to Mike Smith, who I'm sure is a great husband, father, and community leader, as somebody put it um, in my Twitter mentions. I think (laughs) it was more the avalanche than it was the Oilers at a certain point in in the third when they took over, right?
0: Yeah, like, they're the most dominant team of the regular season. They just said, fuck it in the playoffs. We know (laughs) what's happening. And I feel like this is the freest we've seen them play in the postseason. One, because the Oilers aren't as sound defensively as St. Louis, but also like they got over the side mesh, the side mission of round two, they got past it finally. And now they're here. Like, I'm sure they could exhale a bit and be like, Hey, we're succeeding because we're so good. But no, they were, they were the much better team. Like, throughout the series every which way you could look at it you go star power versus star power if you want to say their moot point up front mcdavid versus mckinton and ranton inverse trice idol sure but like on defense Cal McCarr was incredible taves was really good the whole series like darnell nurse yes who's playing with the torn hip flexor wasn't where they needed him to be and evan bouchard you know there's a big gap in where they are right now like and Colorado didn't have goaltending. They didn't have star power net. Like, they just were the better team from that, you know, angle. And then you look at depth, and that kicked Edmonton's ass. As predicted, when you look at how they built the rosters, you have guys like Donachushkin contributing. You have guys like and That's why when you lose a player like Nazim Kadri, you can weather that loss versus Edmonton losing. Kane, it's a little bit tougher. Yes, Hyman stepped up and Ryan Nugent Hopkins, but you can still find, like, the comparables roster to roster, it gets to a point where it dries up for the Oilers.
1: Yeah. Lekkanen went from scoring the goal that lifted the Canadians to the cup final last year to the abs to the cup final this year. What a winner. This guy just went, maybe he doesn't score that much in the regular season, but there's some guys that just win in the postseason. And a lot of agents have told me that they don't like, playoffs are less of a de- a big deal than you'd think when it, when it comes to negotiating contracts, because obviously players don't get played paid in the playoffs, but obviously you want good players in the playoffs, but it's just not something really used that much in negotiations, but you gotta lo- use it with him.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Like he's like, he's like that analytic star, darling. He has all good numbers below the surface. He's like this ideal facilitator for a line because he's so good defensively and winning puck battles and setting up his teammates. Like, He's someone you can trust in any situation and know he's going to play his game. And you can say the same thing about Natrushka the fact that they have two players like that in their top six. It's not like you have to decide how to like distribute that in your lineup. You're like, no, we have two, we have two amazing two-way wingers. Like good fucking luck against us. Oh, you think that you're going to get through McKinnon because say whatever you will about a star, pa- you know, star players defense. Like it's fine. We, we'll just give him one of those wingers. And like, there's nothing wrong with McKinnon's defense in the first place, but like, you know, that's the easy thing to like pinpoint. And yeah, like he rose to the occasion and it's like, it's nice to see these deadline rentals working out too, because Colorado has been careful about when to spend in the off season. And then they did this year with like Manson and Lekin and look how it worked out for them.
1: Absolutely. Um, thoughts on Jared Bednar.
0: I think he's a great coach. I I would personally put him up for coach of the year.
1: Yeah. yeah we've heard
0: like, <laughs> like Okay, Kadri's out last night. You're without your 2C. How do you weather that storm? They put Ranton in a center, who they knew could do it from the regular season. I think it was when Kadri was hurt last time. They, When Berkovsky was hurt, they knew how to replace him because they had tried all these different line combinations in the regular season. They knew that McKinnon can play with, you know, they have like the pairs, like it was like Landis and Lekanen or Rantanen and Natushkin. They knew that they could interchange them with their centers, because they tried all these line combinations before to make sure that they had options and versatility in their lineup. That's good coaching. And when you have a player like Kel McCarr who can rove around the ice and do whatever, and you can trust him, you tell him to play to his strengths. You don't say stick within the structure. You say you see a play, go for it. And I think I saw Allison mention something about Bednar, his coaching prior to Colorado and how he crossed paths with Zach Wierenski, who's a player like that too. Like In today's game, it helps to have Rovers on defense. In women's hockey, we see Rovers all the time, players who can play center and defense and things like that. Like it helps to have someone who can, you know, go outside the lines of their position. And it seems like he's a coach that allows that, which I think we could look around the league and find most that would say, no, stick to the structure.
1: He also looks like the dad from Fairly Odd Parents.
0: Oh my God. (laughs) <laughs> oh my god! I never <laughs> thought of that.
1: that my ad—he's like a cartoon character, but we <laughs> we appreciate that.
0: <laughs> I'm never gonna unsee that. <laughs> I
1: know. What's Cadre's status?
0: Um, so he's—we knew he was done for this series, and he had what was it? Thumb surgery. Yeah, yeah. And he's like a question mark moving forward. Yes, that's like if they go against Tampa, then it's like, well, Kadri point injuries. If you go against the Rangers, it's like, well, they're that much better of a five-on-five five team, so they could probably manage without them. But that's such – that's a tough loss. That one really sucks.
1: I know. What do you think the ideal matchup is for the Evs?
0: They kick the crap out of the Rangers when they played them in the regular season. But, like, the regular season is obviously a different animal, and a lot of teams kick the Rangers' ass at five-on-five then. True. I think the tough thing is when you go head to head with the goalies and we know that there's two elite goalies, Shostakhin has been playing better this round and like.
1: Somehow. I, like that is incredible. Yeah.
0: yeah. Like that's the better goalie from the regular season. And then in round two, like Vasilevsky was pretty perfect. You, I can't think of anything we had to say about him, but like it's this series. Like if his play doesn't bounce back to the level we expect of him, Shostakhin proves to be the tougher matchup, I would think. Yeah. And then, so you have, like, the elite power play, the goaltending, and then it's just weathering five-on-five, which somehow the Rangers have done, but I still think Colorado's the better team. Tampa, if Vasilevsky's clicking, might be the worst matchup if they get point back, which it sounds like could potentially be a possibility. Like, I feel like Tampa's more versatile in that they can play it both ways. They can play the speed and skill game, and they can shut it down better than most teams. And that's something that I think would be interesting for the avalanche to go up against and maybe a little bit tougher, but like, they're also, we saw in the beginning of the series, they looked a little more fatigued and they're not going to have the time off that Colorado has. So that's like my one drawback with them. What do you think?
1: Yeah, I, it's just, I'm trying to wrap my head around the Rangers right now. And I think it just comes down to, I don't want to, I think it's a lazy take to say it's just Igor Shesterkin. Obviously you got Chris Kreider, the kid line and everybody, I think there's just so much depth that people knew in a few years would be great, but I guess it's just happening now in conjunction with some of the older guys still being there. And it's kind of that perfect storm. I don't think anybody would have said that the Rangers would be here right now. So no. I'm just thinking, like, I, who am I to count them out? Right right now and they then they go and do this to Tampa. I think it's so hard to come back from a two-o deficit in the in the Rangers have done that. So good for they already (laughs) done that. Like what haven't the thing is, what haven't they done? And that's why sometimes the regular season can be overrated. And I think you take moments and context from the regular season and I, I think the end of that run to the top of the metro for the Rangers was like holy shit. They could actually be something, but maybe next year because they weren't consistent in the regular season. But it's like all these narratives. I know I'm like harping on narratives so much in this podcast lately because it is. No, but you're
0: right. Like it's the same shit we hear all the time. And the narratives were true in round one. The Rangers got worked on five on five, but then they went against one of the best five on five teams in the league and the hurricanes. You watched it firsthand. So you're right to point out the narrative and be like, wait a sec.
1: I just yeah. Sometimes when I write things, I'm like, am I actually thinking this, or am I just everyone's talking about it, so I have to say it and stuff. Yeah. But it, it just makes me think to try harder and think harder when I see situations like this. So hats off to them. Uh, what what are you feeling for tonight?
0: I feel like I feel like this is what the most important game of the series. Like maybe that's the narrative. It's game four, and blah blah blah. You can't lose two on the road. I mean. You could lose two on the road. They, they did that and they Rangers, have all mice. they could be fine. There's
1: actually zero quit in New York.
0: Yeah. Why not them? But no, like, <laughs> um, I feel like this is so big for the Rangers and it's not just like win or lose. It's like, will they be the better team? Because in game three, they weren't the better team and it showed. So how do you bounce back from that? And how do you handle Tampa's matchup game? How do you handle Sorelli going against Zibanejad when we've seen Jet get shut down by Crosby's line? By Jordan Stahl's line when they were back in Carolina and Sorelli's line now in Tampa Bay and Chernec McDonough. Like, they need it that their top line can get through those matchups because if you go against Colorado, you're going to get Nichushkin or someone or Lekanen. So, like, that's your challenge is figuring that out now. But, like, I'm, so, I really don't know. Like, Tampa was the better team that you would think maybe they have the momentum to win, win the game, but like, they need to rely on five on five scoring more than their power play. Like, they were the better five-on-five team but you still have to get through Shuster game when they had the power play it gave them the best chance to do it and they managed and like the rangers have to be more disciplined like that's a huge thing going into this game i really don't know what happens i kind of feel like the rangers could go ahead three to one like based on the way they played in games one and two i, I see that as a total possibility but tampa was the better team back on home ice that i'm like Maybe they will tie up this series. Like I'm so back and forth and maybe it's because I'm too close to it, but I'm, I'm really stuck on this. What do you think?
1: Well, I do feel like because Tampa was the better team in game two and still almost lost that the Rangers have an opportunity to be the team that they can be and win tonight.
0: That makes but, a lot of sense. I'm going with you. I'm going to ride your coattails on this one
1: oh my god, the um, former Hurricanes, like, host, not host, but um, the person that does the uh, the writing, what do we call it, I'm, oh my god, me reporting. and Jen are falling apart, yeah, <laughs> reporting, The so <we're> um, reporting, <laughs> Michael Smith is his name, and he just tweeted, hey, everyone, new to Twitter, what happens if I just search my own name? Because <laughs> Mike Smith, the goalie. <laughs>
0: <God>. <laughs> Don't do it. Or do it. Maybe it'll boost your confidence because you're not the Mike Smith everyone should have
1: Yeah, exactly. But that's, that's a little funny thing. All right. Um, do we have anything else we want to discuss
0: today? Oh, uh, last TN, uh, TNT game was last night.
1: Oh, yeah. Um, what, what did we think about that? You go first.
0: I think that, I think that TNT kind of knows how to like get the vibes right at times on the broadcast. I really like Liam McHugh, and I think he can handle everyone. There's so many personalities he has to handle. I think he does a good job. And I think when they went down to one game per series, they had a much easier time doing analysis because, like, when they had the two games overlapping, I'm sure it was tough to watch the game and then talk about it. Like that can't be easy because you have to be filming the intermissions for the other games. Um, I'm fine with, you know, they have Kenny Albert. He's one of the best in the business. They had Brendan Burke who's one of my favorite commentators around. I like seeing Jennifer Botterill on the broadcast and Darren Pang's done a good job. So like, I think that their play-by-play calling kept people engaged. Um, Sure. You could point out flaws about it, but I do think like, I think that was a step in the right direction because like when you're watching a game, you want to be excited. You want the play-by-play commentary to like let you know when to get to the edge of your seat. And I think between like Kenny and Burke, they had that. And I liked the crews they put together for the playoffs. Like they had Butch Goring with Brendan Burke and I appreciated that. And Megan Mickelson's doing coverage too. I just, I think that there's room for improvement with the studio analysis a little bit more because I also think at times if we had some of the takes that get put out there, we would get run out of the building in four seconds because we're not met.
1: Yeah. You know what? Sometimes that's what it definitely comes down to. And I think in an inaugural season like this, that you kind of have to go for some of the big guns and have yeah. kind of a crew together that that shows you're taking the sport seriously, you know, and that you're investing in it like Gretzky and everyone obviously it was a lot of their first times doing something like this and that can leave some room for improvement in that in that way and they're all figuring it out and then you look at the TNT basketball crew and it's like they're cracking the funniest jokes you ever heard in your life they're going viral every second and it's it just shows you how high the stake not the stakes but how high the potential could be and I think this is something that is more of a fundamental issue in hockey than it is with any team you could maybe put together I think people aren't allowed to show their personalities sometimes that is a lot of people that have been in hockey forever are like that because of the way it is so I think this is a structural issue that might take a few years to kind of the next generation of people coming in um i think biz tried i i don't hate biz i like to see him get more separation from barstool i i think that would be great yes <laughs> i i think he did try to make it entertaining and stuff um there's only so much you can really do with hockey fans and i think that's kind of a, a structural structural issue yeah. with for it, but we could go on about this for days yeah I loved the broadcasting crews for sure I do think with all the broadcasting put out in the playoffs there's been kind of a lack of cohesiveness with yeah. the video and audio and angles and I think there needs to be some more hockey producers hired
0: yeah like from the analysis perspective, like I appreciate that they did want to try to find the players who are the best at their game to give insight. I think it's interesting to hear what Wayne Gretzky has to say about Austin Matthews and Connor McDavid. If anybody knows, can say things about talking about should star players play defense, what do you do in these situations? He can do it. I think Henrik Lundqvist was a great ad when they had him. That's one oh, yeah. of the best goalies of all time. And he had some really interesting points with demonstration, demonstrations, like they were talking about how he handled screens and he's a shorter goalie, like stuff like that. I think it's so interesting, but you do need hockey producers for sure. I think you could say that about every broadcast. You need to have producers who know the plays that you should be looking for besides the big moments. And the angles to be shooting things from and the directions to take on things. Like, and that's a learning curve for sure, but there are a lot of talented people in the sphere, So hopefully they can keep finding them and building on that because that's, it's important to have different voices who can bring in stuff from other sports, but it's also important to have those who like legitimately understand hockey through and through.
1: Yeah, exactly. So all in all, not a bad first crack at it. Excited to see what's next and what tweaks that they make, like, in the off season we'll see yeah all right guys for our fuck mary kill today we have the best quotes coming out of the oilers post loss press conferences which we all know are gold so the quotes are it's a step in the right direction that's all it is from Connor mcdavid there's no participation medal it's very disappointing from mike smith and couldn't get some saves, couldn't get the bounces. Ultimately, they get another break at the end there and win the series. Also from Mike Smith. You go first, Shayna.
0: I will I will marry the couldn't get some saves quote because whether Mike Smith is taking responsibility were not remains to be seen they could not get some saves and we know who there is to blame they couldn't get some bounces that's on everyone and they couldn't get a break at the end of the the end and win a series when it's like well you couldn't get a break for four games because you were the worst team and you were the worst goalie so I'll marry that because I just think it's funny like you look at it and you go like Edmonton everybody predicted this maybe they predicted it to happen sooner but everybody predicted this ending except for maybe the Oilers so Good for you. I'll marry that. Um, I will fuck McDavid's. It's a step in the right direction. That's all it is, because this is a huge accomplishment. And I know like it comes right after a a loss, but like, I wonder how much he looks at this team and is like, we're only taking baby steps in the right direction and then leaps back because of management. And I want to see him and Dreisaitl just revolt one day and be like, we're out of here, get us the fuck out. And (laughs) I will kill the no participation medal. It's very disappointing because like, I don't know, just making it to the playoffs is something you should appreciate, especially like I get it. It's a tough loss, but like you did make it to the playoffs at the end of the day. Like y- you can hang your head on that for like five seconds. And if you like, I don't know. I just feel like it's such like a, it's it's like, it's you loser. That's it. Like it's loser, bust obviously for every single team, but like you're 40 years old, dude, and you just made it to the playoffs. And like, I don't know, you should be pretty happy. A team wanted you to be your starter in this situation. Because uh
1: wow. Gee, that's so sweet.
0: Yeah. <laughs> otherwise, like you'd be sitting on the bench where you probably belong at this point in your career.
1: See, this is a pro Mike Smith podcast. No.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's an anti-Penn Holland, but Mike, sweetie, you yes. serve the world. Okay. I... I'm going to marry it's a step in the right direction. That's all it is for McDavid because a lot of the time I'm kind of the opposite of you, Shayna, right now. Like it's Connor Mc, I mean, Mike Smith is Mike Smith, but Connor McDavid is Connor McDavid. And I want to see him get to the cup final. I
0: do think. I do too. The- I do too. By the way, not the Oilers. I know. I, know. <laughs> I,
1: know. I know. Shana doesn't want them to play against the Rangers. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I think They did make it really far. Like, you do think about that. And that is a good job, guys. But it is, sometimes that's all you can say. Like, when you're looking for these answers and they're like, I don't know, what can I say without crapping on management, which you shouldn't really do as a player. So I like that McDavid was kind of matter of fact about where they're at. That's Um, fair. Yeah. I'm going to fuck. There's no partition participation medal, it's very disappointing because I know this isn't what he meant, but it sounds like he's saying, he's mad that he didn't get a participation trophy. And I I think that's cute. I'm going to kill, couldn't get some saves, couldn't get some bounces. Ultimately they get another break at the end there and win the series. Um, I just... I'm sick of hearing about the bounces. I know that that's a thing in hockey, but nobody in basketball is like, we just didn't get the dribble. Like, what do you, what does that even mean? I just, I think obviously the puck bounces in a certain way, but I just think we need to find a new euphemism for that. new cliche. Yeah, we need a new cliche.
0: Another hundred cliches. And then next year we'll be like, we hate these cliches
1: exactly and we to ask better questions to get better answers but i do think i'm done with the bounces
0: we're done right. with
1: them <laughs> all right guys that was our best we could do without allison we'll see you very shortly have a good rest of your day have fun watching the game tonight and we love you bye